0: Welcome to the Simple Self Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. Today on the podcast, I'm bringing you a delightful conversation with the delightful Jessica Williams. Jess is the social media hostess with the mostest for The Minimalists, and a fellow podcaster known for her previous podcast, The Mind Palace, and her latest show, Ta-Da. For those of you that have been with me for a while, you may remember Jess as the very first person I interviewed on this podcast just about a year ago. She was kind enough to come on and help me work out some of my podcast newbie nerves And she shared so much wisdom with us on what it's like to be in the unglamorous depths of the healing process as she learned how to navigate her autoimmune issues. It's a really great conversation with more of her backstory as well, so definitely go back and listen. But this week, she is back on as my very first guest of season two, giving us an update on her healing journey what it's like to venture into the deeper levels of self-care, as well as just talking about living a full and meaningful life in general. I will admit that this convo is a bit more candid than others I've had. It's just so fun talking to Jess about all of the things, and she's just so thoughtful and insightful that I love exploring so many different topics with her. So I hope you enjoy our part interview, part friend catch-up, part rambling conversation. Just pretend we are all sitting around, catching up, cozied up with our favorite beverage of choice as we talk about the yin and yang of self-care, the discipline of taking care of yourself, financial self-care, finding purpose in social media, acknowledging your growth, and much more. We join the conversation now where I had just asked Jess why she sets simple personal challenges for herself, doing a handstand being the most recent one. Here we go.
1: I think the reason that I wanted, like, I think that goals are only valuable when they're arbitrary and not in the hands of other people. So like, I'm a very uh, controlling person (laughs) and I don't like when I have to wait for somebody to give me something so Mm -hmm. like if I were to have a goal like it would never nobody would ever get be in the way of a goal but me and like I'm not really a goal-oriented person I'm more so like a direction-oriented person so like it was kind of odd to have the idea of doing the handstand and I think it was just because I wanted to learn how to do something that only I like I just needed the tools of my body to be able to do and I like the idea of being able to support my own weight both like uh like in the real world but also like metaphorically it's just like something about like the independence of being able to do that and like one thing that I've been trying to do lately in the last like year I realized that I if I succeed in one area of my life then it's evidence that I can succeed it's like okay you can do something you can accomplish something and then it influences the other areas of my life because I can see myself as a successful person Mm -hmm. so like I just wanted to have that one thing that I could do. And like the more evidence that I have that I'm a successful person in the ways that I believe success exists, uh, then the more ambitious or the more like, I don't know, confident I am in walking into other directions.
0: Mm -hmm. So how long have you been working on the handstand goal? Um, four months,
1: Well, I don't, I guess maybe it's been longer than, since April, I bought like this thing, it's called Mm Abbasanas. So it's like where you learn how, like you do all of the things that would help increase all of the core strength and all the leg strength and balance necessary. And I spend about 10 minutes every morning, uh, doing wrist prep because you put a lot of pressure on your hands and your wrists. So Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm doing that and I'm not like, you know, I don't want a broken wrist at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So, um just learning to do that has been something that has been a really, like, exciting challenge.
0: hmm <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's a great place to start. Yeah. <laughs> conversation. Um, but no, I think, well, it, this is interesting because when I was listening to our past conversation, um, you were right in the thick of a healing journey with your autoimmune oh, stuff. And just yeah, there's kind of a lot going on. And it's just interesting now that we're leading with a topic of where you're feeling strong, and you're working on supporting yourself and all of this. So it's like, it's really cool. Like you are definitely in a different place um, a year from now. So and a lot stronger. So does that ring true to you? Yeah,
1: it does. I think like, it's kind of weird because when I look at the past and I'm like, man, things are so different. I'm like, I've grown a lot. Like, <laughs> But then I look at the future, like a year from now, like Jessica 2019, or, you know, if we're, if we're to talk mm-hmm. like in September, I'm like, I kind of, I don't have any expectations for getting better. I just have expectations of myself to, to show up and do what's necessary to get better and hope that I actually do. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess I have high standards for myself in terms of what I'll do to accomplish something, but I won't have the expectation of actually accomplishing it. It feels like a big surprise party when I succeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's the best. Um, it is. So, do you do you actually take the time to reflect and see your progress? No.
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean sometimes. I'll, like I'll even say like so, sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I, I'm trying to think if that's actually true or not. I don't know, because because it, it, you're like when I'm on tour, like when I take a really good photo, I'll like show Josh and Ryan, and I'll be like, "See that photo?" <laughs> and it's like kind of embarrassing, but you kind of have to do it. So like, I guess in some ways, in some ways I do. But like, um, um, my husband Matt, he's he's a bow hunter, and he follows this guy. His name is Cameron Haines, uh, and he has this mantra it calls it says it's like nobody cares work harder and <laughs> like and that's kind of how I feel sometimes when I'm like looking back and I'm like trying to think about reflecting on like the things that I've accomplished is, mm-hmm. is that and it's a little bit it's a little bit rough it's a little bit brute but it's like I don't know I think it's a form of self-care that gives you I don't know it, it takes care of your future self
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense
0: yeah, I think so. So do you feel like, um, well, you also have, okay, let's talk about your unique self-care things, such as uh-huh. your um, app that about you dying someday that you have on oh. your phone.
1: Yes, I know. <laughs> I stopped paying attention to those notifications, but I still think about death all the time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so for <laughs> our listeners, What? tell us more about that process so yeah so it's an app it's uh it's called wheat croak and it reminds you every day uh five times a day that you're going to die it's based based on a Bhutan, i believe that's correct philosophy on the idea that if you're reminded of death five times a day that it'll increase your happiness and it's like a way of kind of experiencing mindfulness but genuinely i don't know i go outside and i'm like go to the grocery store and i think about that kind of stuff so like part mm-hmm. of me doesn't really I don't really know if i need those reminders but i like but i feel like a lot of those tools like they come they ebb and flow like they come into your life and then when they're no longer useful then they leave your life and it it, and sometimes they make a mark and sometimes they don't but Mm -hmm. yeah it's helpful stuff to be reminded of that but we also because matt is a bow hunter we have skulls all over our apartment so it's like it's like memento mori on our fireplace constantly Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think that there's like a very realism approach that I find with like your own health of not trying to, you know, pat yourself on the back too much or over glorify or set these like huge goals that someday you're gonna be like, look what I did. Like, it's very like nitty gritty. This is real life. We're gonna focus on right now and just see what happens.
1: Yeah, like, you know, I, Lately, I've had this thought process about self care that is like, it's honestly kind of like a masculine approach, but I kind of like it because I love the bath bombs and I love taking baths and I love doing face masks and like, I love doing the self care that makes me feel good. But I think the problem is is that that version of self care is purchased and the kind of self care that, as I've gained more strength and in, in exercising and getting better health wise, the kind of self care that I've been interested in lately has been associated with, like having the discipline to take care of myself so that see mm-hmm. t- and, and, and take care of myself tomorrow and take care of myself in a, a week from now. Like what will I be happy about a week from now that I did? I almost think of my first future self as like a different person as if I'm mm-hmm. doing myself favors. Like mm-hmm. if I send myself a reminder email a week from now, I'll cat call myself at the end of the email just to kind of like <laughs> give myself a boost that morning. Mm-hmm. So like, just kind of like playfully joking around with that. But like, so it's the kind of thing like, like make your bed. And recently, you know, we went on, I went on the Simply Southern tour with Joshua and Ryan at the Minimalists and we were at Dave Ramsey Solutions in, uh, in Kentucky. And it was like, that's, that's interesting. That's like a form of self-care that I don't tend to think about. And it's like the financial self-care that feels like difficult and hard and numbers, which I hate, you know, but it is also this like the kind of self-care that is necessary and it prevents an anxiety like down spiral six months from now, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm not really paying attention to my finances, it mm-hmm. kind of it creates a system so that I can give myself a certain kind of peace. Cause what I'm realizing is that I, As I get older, is that all of our anxieties and all of our fears are rooted in something and they'll only continue and perpetuate if we indulge in them and just kind of like wallow. But if we walk towards them and we walk towards the root of it, then we'll be able to uncover what's at the bottom of it and we might be able to work towards releasing it. And even though we might have like physical or emotional habits that we can get into, if we attack the beast, like the root at the beginning of it, then I feel like it loosens up at the end and you're able to kind of approach it from a different manner that like comes from a solutions perspective mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, not every emotion is like about uncovering something. Sometimes it's about getting your life straight and mm-hmm. taking care of yourself.
0: Do you have an example of this a recent example of this way it's going about it? Oh man. Actually, you know, I podcast,
1: um, I like, so I started a new podcast. It's called Ta-Da, Ta-Da, and (laughs) it's, uh, it's just about, I want to bring on, I want to learn, I love to learn, so I want to facilitate that learning publicly and Mm -hmm. like, you know, just create a reason to talk to people, um, that I wouldn't normally have the opportunity to speak to. And uh, I was super anxious going about it, especially without Melissa, because she was uh, my co host on the previous podcast that I had the Mind Palace. And I was like, oh man, like the internet is a really brutal place these days. Like, how am I going to do this for myself? And it was, I had a lot of anxiety at leading up to it. And then once I finally released it, like a lot of my anxieties went away. And I started feeling a little bit more open to like, I don't know, saying things that I wouldn't normally say out loud in a very public and recorded
0: forum. So
1: <laughs> like, it's intimidating, but uh, I felt so much
0: better after I just
1: got it out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I, I'm I I'm excited that you're podcasting. I have been listening to your episodes, and it's just nice to. I don't know. Go on your thought journeys with you and your guests it's very interesting so um definitely worth listening to and I'm excited to see how it evolves but I do appreciate your openness with the listeners of the process of it bringing a lot of anxiety and knowing that it's not perfect or where you want it to be but just like doing it anyway and I think it is Uh, it's such a tricky balance in things in life because it's like what is my inner wisdom telling me with this anxiety is it a sign that it's not something I should do or is it a sign that it is something that I'm gonna do and like navigating that you know
1: yeah and like trying to find the like the intuition thing is really important to me of being like how what is my gut reaction to this and like my Mm -hmm. gut reaction is like I need to start you know like Mm -hmm. It's like I need to just I need to go because like No matter what kind of like struggles you're like, I, I think for a while especially with the health stuff I was like man, you know, I think like after all that is over and I've gotten a lot better over time but like I think sometimes we compartmentalize our lives and we try and say okay well once once this struggle is Completed then I can go on and I can do other things but like there's always gonna be a struggle and if you're waiting for something to happen in order for you to begin like you're just going to find a way like for your mind to give you an excuse to do the same thing
0: over mm-hmm. and over again. Hmm. So when we chatted the last time and you were going through a lot of your autoimmune stuff and experimenting with different diets and things like, where are you at now? Like, where would you say you're at in your healing journey?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think now I'm still I'm still on the autoimmune paleo diet um, Mm -hmm. and that's where you kind of take everything out essentially except for meat and vegetables and even then it's like select vegetables because you don't eat nightshades so it's just meat and vegetables and bone broth and uh, pate (laughs) so I've been incorporating that um, and that's that I've maintained that really well and like it's it's kind of been a struggle sometimes but I don't really feel emotional about food anymore mm-hmm. um, Like like I'll want to have chocolate once in a while like of course I have hundred percent chocolate in my cabinet right now But I guess like I've given myself enough indulgences to where where like select indulgences that I know that I can go to when I really feel like that um, And I and I think that to me like that was the key to not feeling deprived um, And just knowing it's like, okay, well, this is just like, this is what I do now. And I'm totally okay with this. And like, I'm going to be the weird person at the restaurant. And and it's okay, because, you know, in 50 years, we're all going to have to be the weird people at the restaurant. So <laughs> I'll be the first person to do it. Or, you know, like in the first group, you know, between 2010 and 2020, that kind of everybody looks at you weird. <laughs> I'm sure it'll change.
0: <laughs> I hope. How is your body feeling? Like, do you feel like it's made a difference?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, since I spoke with you, I started uh, also doing egoscue, which is a type of physical therapy. Um, uh, Josh uh, is—he started doing it. Josh Milburn started doing it a couple of years ago for his back because he broke his L five. And uh, earlier this year, like I was getting to a point after tour when we were in Australia. Um, I think it was then where my hips were, like, so out that, like, I was having trouble getting up the stairs. And, like, I'm not even hitting 30. I'll be, I'll be 30 in, like, a year. But it was, like, oh, no. Like, at that rate, I'm going to need a walker at 35. Um, So I started doing a physical therapy. And it's interesting because since inserting that into my morning every single day, it's prompted me to attach other rituals on top of that. So, like, I don't know. The self-discipline in one area, it, like, Spreads to different areas and I think that like habit habit like spreads no matter what so it's a matter of what habit you introduce and like all like one habit will always influence the others
0: and so the combination like you found a recipe for yourself that makes you feel the best yeah
1: definitely I mean it's I definitely have yeah and like you know, for a while I was like kind of borderlining a ketogenic diet, but it wasn't something that like that worked for me. And, and I read it's like most women who like are young females who are thin don't have they, their bodies just aren't they don't do well on that diet versus like a higher, like a higher carb diet. When I say carbs, I'm like sweet potatoes and and white rice, like Mm. that kind of diet. And it was it's so it's like, it's, it's just such a balancing act of trying to figure out like what works and what doesn't. You know, like I was talking to Matt today. I'm like, you know, it's so funny. Like, I look at your face, and you look at my face. And we look totally different. But I assume that my pancreas is just like yours. So like, we kind of have to like, Remove this concept that when we look at ourselves and like consider the human body, that when I, if I was to like slice Randy k in half, sorry, this is getting <laughs> a little weird, but like if I was slicing you in half, that I would see a textbook version of all of these organs, you mm-hmm. know, like we're all different. So what we need is all different. And what I need today will be different than what, what I need in, in six months or a year from now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one like beautiful thing I've learned with studying anatomy and, and body work is how how different we actually are and like it's like we we are the same like there are common pain patterns and things and things are in the same general area but it's like what creates chronic pain in one person is a completely different combination of things than in another person and their body is responding to different elements and it's just like yeah it I think we forget how I don't know. Unique, we are. Even though I like to think that we're not that unique, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I try to stay away yeah, from yeah, like, like our I'm thought so patterns. Sensible, but, um. But yeah, right. you're know
1: saying. Yeah, yeah, like our thought patterns. I think it's like more like it feels like to me like our thought patterns are this are similar. Maybe not the same, but like similar. But like physically, like we have to like it's weird we're exactly the same and completely different from everybody around us and if we can actually if we can hold those two thoughts in our minds I think that mm-hmm. we're like we'll be totally better people for it but it but it is hard though because you don't want to you don't want to separate yourself and be like oh I'm special because like whether you think you're special because you experienced a loss or because you, or because you experienced a success like
0: mm-hmm. it's like
1: no like you are and you aren't at the same time that's totally okay
0: yeah I've been thinking about that a lot lately of that concept of being special or an exception or like well that'll never happen to me or I can eat whatever I want and be fine you know like things like that because like my body going into my like I'm 33 and my I still feel young and vibrant but my body is also like these are the first signs that it's changing and like aging is like a real thing and I embrace it and I it's fine but it's like I feel like I'm getting to know myself I like I have to re-get to know myself it's like okay how do I'm not an exception to the rest of the 33 year olds in the world my metabolism is going to slow I can't just like go under the radar like I feel like I've been able to do my whole life and so it's like oh I do have to tune into some things and honor some things and not necessarily what I think but what's actually happening with my body like it's very humbling and annoying and awesome all at the same time
1: yeah it takes so much to keep up with like you have yeah. to really and that's the thing is like it's like taking the time to actually be kanji and just of the way that you feel every single day can be really exhausting. And sometimes, and and it's hard because like, like those are, those are hints like of what, like your body, like what your body, like your body like needs something and you're like, you know, like maybe it's just going to need more rest. Maybe you're going to like, you're going to need eight hours of sleep. And like, that's just what it is. And like actually having the patience to respond to that, like your body is a five-year-old child is very challenging So, I'm like the five-year-old me is like i need this and i'm like right but i have shit to do so like <laughs> i can totally understand and respect what you're saying five-year-old jess but like you know and just trying to honor both sides of me like you know i i'm a, a relative, i'm an ambitious person but then like i think that like you know ambitious people we like to burn ourselves out because we want to we want to be an exception to the rule that we don't need Mm-hmm.
0: To stop at the down. yeah yeah I think we all do that in our in our own ways and I think because I'm so chill I forget how ambitious I am and how like headstrong and stubborn I am about things and I'm like that with myself sometimes because as much as like I want to think I'm very like gentle and and soothing all the time there's this part of me that's like nope we got to do this we got to do this and we don't have time for this and you know you just got to (laughs) deal and so you do have such a
1: soothing calm voice though like you have a very like I would imagine that if you were to like record some meditations and throw them out there they would do very well
0: well thank you right are you channeling your inner npr voice (laughs) yeah i learned a lot growing up with that um (laughs) no you're not the first person to say that so maybe someday i'll i'll get around to it but i could see that (laughs) that makes my my inner radio host feel feel good Um, (laughs) but anyway back to you back to healing um yeah i think that that concept of duality, I think is a very real deal when we're looking at ourselves in comparison to others, but also the constant duality that's going on within. Like, how can I be this and this at the same time? And finding mm-hmm. that balance between the two um, is an interesting challenge, I think.
1: It, Yeah, it is. I like, and it's ch- like, I feel like it changes. It's like the yin yang symbol but like sometimes it's a lot more yin than it is yang and like just trying to feel out that flow. Like a couple months ago, I was like, it was when I was releasing the podcast and I was like, you know what? I need a real kick in the ass. I'm like, I'm going to download Renee Brown's book, Dearing Greatly. Mm-hmm. And I downloaded it and I started listening to it. And I really like Renee Brown and I've and I read like The Power of Vulnerability and I think that she's really great and I love that she incorporates her own experience with clinical psychology to put together a good thought process about that. But I was listening to it, and I'm like, no, I'm like, this isn't what I need right now. And I, and then I started listening to Jocko Wilnick's podcast. He's a he's a he's a uh, Navy SEAL. And he has a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And like, if you listen to him, like, he has a really great um, like a CD track. It's an audio track to encourage you to be disciplined, and you can listen to it. And it's literally you're listening to like a drill sergeant like tell you like you know don't eat those sprinkled donuts. Like, what are you thinking? Like, people go days without eating and you're in the office and you think you're going to eat this. And it was so weird going from this transition. Last year, I probably would have really needed a really sweet, like, kind Brene Brown. But as I got more energetic and as I started healing and, like, feeling better, then, like, I'm like, no, I'm, like, I need Jocko right now. Mm. And and that's totally okay. And it was just such a nice, it was just really funny to, when you just watch, like, The path Mm -hmm. that your mind takes over a certain period of time and how it, how, what, where you are changes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I thought of this uh, earlier too in in our conversation how you liked more of the luxurious, um, softer forms of self care. And now it's gone to the more masculine uh, energetics. But I think that's like, I, I have a little though is, can serve as a gateway and like a helpful gateway when done mindfully, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's like kind of when you are in those more beginning phases or you're not quite ready to deep dive, yeah, do the bath bombs, do the the journaling, do this the stuff that is approachable and enjoyable, mm-hmm. and then that can lead to these more maybe assertive or Aggressive, not aggressive, but you know what I mean? Just like <laughs> more intense ways of of dealing with yourself. And you'll probably stay here for as long as you need to. And then you'll be like, oh, I'm going to go back to the bath bombs for a while, you know, and it just, mm-hmm. it gets to ebb and flow. There isn't a right or wrong. And I think the only thing to really stay mindful of is to not have those softer things serve as a distraction, you know, like mm-hmm. a pretty product serve as a distraction right? so
1: yeah and on the other hand too also not letting like the disciplinary one like turn into a stick that you beat yourself with too because like even though that is a form of self-care I think that like either form can become either a crutch or like a way to kind of like talk yourself down you know like Mm -hmm. when this the softer stuff I found it more easy for me to kind of like get into my feelings in a way that wasn't serving me. And, and mm-hmm. now I find it like in the more disciplined area, I find it easier to kind of be like, just you asshole, will you wait in bed for five more minutes and you look at your phone instead of getting out of bed and going, like I'm doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I cussed a couple of times on this episode. Is that allowed?
0: Uh, Yeah. I didn't notice them. So. Oh, okay. Well, Sorry, that's because Mom. they're effective.
1: Okay. <laughs> <It's> very <fun. laughs>
0: I don't know. Sorry, me, Randy's mom. I don't know. It's so funny cuz um <laughs> I did this there's this thing in Fargo called the Tell and it's a storytelling competition kind of like the Moth and it's known for people can just say whatever they want and it can be very colorful sometimes and my mom, bless her heart, really wanted to come and support me cuz I play the music for it sometimes. And I'm like, "Mom, just to let you know like there's a lot of like swearing and talking about all sorts of things. And she's not like judgmental <laughs> of what people have to say. She just doesn't like swearing. Um And so the host knows my mom. And when she found out she was here, she got like super insecure. And so she kept saying, sorry, Martha, after like everything that <laughs> happened. And, and then it became like a hashtag in there the culture for a little while it was like and other speakers after they swore started saying sorry martha so like <laughs> turned into a thing <laughs> your mom's name is martha
1: right that's the yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. hashtag is about yeah my so, mom is. so now the hashtag has extended
0: into the podcast yeah now here it saying. is again sorry martha yeah if you
1: want to like when, when you announce this episode if you want to use the hashtag okay. sorry martha okay. i think that would be more than appropriate
0: <laughs> I, I told my mom about that and she thought it was kind of silly and then she's like well I guess if you're going to be known for something I'm okay that people know that I don't like swearing <laughs> I'm like there you go
1: <laughs> I love it I'm I'm from the midwest and my mom is like a, they're like they live in the in the suburbs in Illinois and it's just funny like I just love the midwestern mom there's mm-hmm. like no there's no better like I don't know there's, there's <laughs> no better profile in my opinion
0: <laughs> I know for sure um okay. Anyway, I don't even know why you were swearing. Why were you swearing? Oh, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very passionate. You are very passionate about something we were talking about. <laughs> oh, we we're talking about extremes. Um, yeah. Okay. So my example, I think of of honoring different aspects of extremes is like with money because I am working a lot on my financial health and my relationship with that, and um, it's like some days I want um, Dave Ramsey, like I'll listen to the Dave Ramsey podcast if I just want his like kick in the pants, like no bullshit kind of a thing. And then other days yeah. I'm like, I can't handle you, Dave. Like I <laughs> I need somebody else. And so I read the book, The Art of Money, which is written by Barry Tesler. And she's an amazing woman who does a lot of like Somatic psychology and like doing body check ins, and like what. So
1: she's like the intuitive Dave Ramsey. Uh-huh. Like, if Dave Ramsey
0: wasn't intuitive,
1: maybe. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, she definitely holds, you know, a powerful stance, but it's in a mm-hmm. very like yin kind of way and gentle way. And I do respond really well to that, especially when it's a subject of money. But yeah. it's like, I need, I needed that first. And then I went through this phase where I did listen to Dave Ramsey every day. And I was just like, give mm-hmm. it to me, man. Like, tell me that I'm being stupid and cut up my credit cards. And I'm like, I'm like uh. then I took a break from him for a while. And then when, um, when Josh and Ryan were on, I was like, oh, I'll get, I'll listen to that and check back in with old Dave and see how he's doing. It's, and it was good confrontation
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is a confrontation because it's a confrontation with yourself and I think it's like it's a confrontation with like like I mean you're like you're looking in the mirror you know Mm -hmm. like you're looking in the mirror and and like when you hear like the stories of people getting out of debt or getting into debt and I think it's really cool because on the radio show they split up the segments where it's like every hour on the hour is a debt-free scream Mm -hmm. and um and like like I'm I'm not yet on the Dave Ramsey plan, but I'm on my way there. Like it's mm-hmm. Matt and I, we incorporated last year because like we are independent contractors. So like that has just been a huge change in like how I see our finances because I'm seeing it as a business and I'm no longer seeing it as an income in the same traditional sense that I had mm-hmm. like in years prior. So it like you know, when you think about it that way, I mean, people who are individuals are still businesses in their own sense, but like, it just kind of makes you see like, okay, is this a successful business? Like, is my life a successful business in the sense that like, is it serving me in the way that it needs to serve me? And Yeah. um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to find the best way of approaching money for me because I am not an extreme person that I'm trying to find the middle ground of like some of the Dave Ramsey principles, but then also Mm -hmm. some of those more like deep emotional money healing things into my daily life, because that is really profound for me and, and motivates me more than just like, well, I just got to get out of debt. I just got to not do this and that, you know, like I'm not a very pragmatic person. So it's in that regard. So it is kind of, it's like with food, you know, it's like finding that personal recipe of all the research that you do in a way that is healthy and empowering. And I have to do the deep work along with any change that I make or else it's not going to be very sustainable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there has to be, uh, it has to like, it has to reach your emotional core to like be effective in your life like you kind of have yeah. to you have to feel it and yeah when I was there like I, when I was in LA I listened to Dave Ramsey a lot and I, when I was there I saw the the breeze scream and like I don't know everybody was going about their business and like I didn't want to show it but I had like tears in my eyes so I was like Oh man, like, and I'm not debt free yet, and it's just kind of one of those things. Like, oh my gosh, like, I would just love to do a debt free scream so badly, and I didn't want anybody to know, you know. Like, I'm, I'm like in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions, I'm like tearing up. I didn't tell anybody this. I'm like tearing up in Ramsey Solutions. I'm like they had the family, and they were all together, and they did a debt free scream, and it's just the freedom. But it's just like, oh man, but it is just such a big deal because I think what it. I don't know just like what it communicates is that like I don't know like I'm okay appearing poor in a sense and that's kind of what it feels like when you're getting out of debt is it does Mm -hmm. kind of feel like you're like well like you know like if somebody invites you out you're like I'm sorry like you know kind of and you kind of have to it feels bad it feels weird to say oh I'm saving money right now I can't go and and you kind of feel oh man like a little bit lesser you know and then you kind of think okay like you have to have a really strong emotional core and and so you're right the emotional relationship that we have to money is really important in that way
0: yeah I highly recommend the art of money it's uh yeah it's gone under the radar a little bit I think it's getting more traction but I've been following Barry for a long time I don't even know how I found her um but I needed to heal my money story, like the story that you have about money and kind of how you formed that story. And it's really revealing. And like one of the biggest shifts for me that hasn't yet uh, resulted in me being out of debt, but (laughs) it's helped in the process. On your way. Yeah, like forgiving how I've been up until this point i think mm-hmm. that gets in the way too is like when i start knowing better and seeing my patterns it's like boom all this judgment you know and mm-hmm. oh i could have been out of debt so much earlier if xyz and why didn't i take advantage when i had a steady paycheck and like all this yeah. stuff and it's just oh, like
1: man especially end of year pay stubs if you are irresponsible and you and you're like what did i do like what did i
0: do that, that year what am i thinking I know. I have so many things looking back on my past where I'm like, I could have really been out of this feeling and out of this situation, but I also feel like, you know, forgiving that and noticing what I'm learning because of it. Like I'm getting to the point where I have no tolerance for this feeling anymore. And I am morally against a lot of the debt that I've gotten into. And it's like, but that's just that is my learning. That's how I learn in a lot of situations, <laughs> in a lot of areas, and so it, I can start to recognize that feeling now of where I'm at in my process with money because I'm starting to feel like, okay, n- no, like I this is dimming my light in a huge way. I don't believe in this, and this is my this is the fuel that I've been waiting for, and then creating a habit around that fuel. I think is the next kind of cog in that mm-hmm. so yeah I think I just want to touch
1: on one thing without that, that like I think is really important is what I'm what I'm like I, I feel like that everywhere in life is like to me it's like if, let's say you're going in a direction you have a very specific des- destination you want to go to and you turn left and it's a dead end and you spent like seven miles walking down that road and it's like sometimes you have to walk that 14 miles round trip to learn the lesson of that dead end not being the right direction to go. So you can just tack that onto your journey of being like nope, my journey that in that direction is a lot is a lot longer. And I think that like for people who like don't think along the same lines as like the general public and it's not like when things aren't when they don't go with the status quo we tend to go down a lot of dead ends and mm-hmm. our like our paths tend to go a lot longer. And and there, so there are certain things, like I used to love to stay up late and I used to be like, why do I need to go to bed early? Like, I'm going to stay up as late as I want. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to like <laughs> throw on some Fallon and eat some avocado chocolate pudding. And this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to go down that dead end like so many times. And I still go down that dead end sometimes. But that's kind of, part of it so I never I don't feel like there's ever any wasted time because that's that's what you needed to do to learn whatever lesson that you're going to learn and to stick
0: mm-hmm. yeah it look I I posted a picture on my Facebook the other day of like um it's like a picture of this guy that says it's like your plan and it's this straight line and then it's like how your plan actually goes and there's all these dips and like hurdles and storms and things that go and like that's that's just how it is like every time you know and yeah. acknowledging that that's a dip that's a hurdle okay i'm right on track and now i'm over here and i'm over there mm-hmm. and um it's that that gentleness to change that i think is is key um and then kicking in pants when you need it to yeah
1: yeah you gotta have both it's like the like the masculine and the feminine like they do work together in a way like there are Mm -hmm. days when there are there are days and times where we do need to be Mm -hmm. coddled and that's totally okay but at the same time then there are days where like you can't have too much of you can't have too much of either or else it's Mm going to go in a bad direction you got to have both a little bit at least for me i don't know Mm -hmm. i guess i'm sure Jocko will would argue that like zero days off is the way to go
0: tell us Jocko tell us how <laughs> right <in the> <laughs> seriously
1: like look them up if you're looking for a kick in the pants that's a good well, to
0: <laughs> I think a point about that is embracing what your role is in people's healing journey or in what you have to offer the world because yeah I know that I am not the kick in the pants person like I can give some strong nudges and some tough love every once in a while but I've noticed that my role and people can come to me when they need that safe space, when they need, you know, those gentle nudges. And then if, and then if they don't need that, I will lovingly pass them along. Or I just say, I've said to people too, I'm like, you know where to find me? I'm here when you need me. This is what I have to offer. And like Jago, like he knows what he needs to do and he's doing it, but I would be curious to see what his daily life is like. And how mm-hmm. he is with himself, and where he goes to for help. You know, mm-hmm. it is probably more balanced.
1: Well, yeah, I would hope <laughs> we. I think we we need all of those people. We need like the Randy K's and the Jocko mm-hmm. in of the world, and mm-hmm. like that's like one of the things. That, like that's why there's no one. There's no one right way to do things because, like, so because like what what people can give into the world, like it. It's all it's all needed. It's all Mm -hmm. needed, and it's all needed at different times. But like, I don't know. It goes back and forth, and and like, you know, I think even like politically, we have to be okay with being able to hold opposing ideologies in our mind and not want to explode. Because if we can do that, then it'll be so much easier to exist in the world and and not try and compartmentalize things or make them black and white. Because I think it's like when we do that that like, I mean, if you just look at the concept of our DNA, it's like it's not it's not as simple as like just a black and white thing and I, I don't think anything is so being able to live in the gray area and recognize that there are no hard and fast answers to life is like that's a good place to live if you can do it and, and have it work for you
0: yeah I've I've gotten really comfortable in the I don't know area um and that used to be so uncomfortable for me and I grew up in a very strong religion where you know it was like, you say, I know when you're talking about this. And that was like very adamant. And like when Respected. I yeah. And it was just like, I know this is true. I know this will help you. I know blah, blah, blah. And when I went on my spiritual journey quest, um, I didn't know anything and it freaked me out and it gave me so much anxiety. And I felt like I was a failure spiritually and and I, and I wasn't being drawn to anything else that I could say that I knew. And I still haven't. And it's been like almost 10 years since then. Like, and I'm just like, actually not knowing creates a lot more possibility and it creates a lot more like being able to be present to what is right for you in that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it, cause if you don't like like i grew up in a very religious conservative background as well and it was and, and it was like uh, the self is flawed so you can't depend on yourself and so i i feel like i kind of lost sight of like my intuition because of that and mm-hmm. i didn't depend on myself as much as i could have because i didn't do any inward searching all of the searching that i did was tangible and like written down somewhere so mm-hmm. just being able to like reflect on that on a personal level uh, was like yeah that's like that's a really that's a really big change and, it, and it's challenging to do, but I think we all want to think that somebody is driving the ship, right? I mean the presidents of the United States the u n like anybody who is in a position of power, including ourselves because we're in a position of power in our own lives, we want to be able to say that we know somebody knows what they're doing, but really, in all actuality, we're on a big rock spaceship, and nobody knows where <laughs> or why we got here, and we want to look to people to be like oh, well, this news reporter or this political leader or this thought leader or whoever, this person's got this. But, like, we really don't. Like, nobody has the wheel. Like, we're all on Titanic and, like, there's no captain. So we just kind of have to, like, I think, like, just learning to be okay with that is something that is a challenge now. And, like, we're, like, I think humanity is constantly trying to, like, course correct and find that individual. And, um... The the interesting part about when you experience sickness and you're trying to figure out how to heal things is you recognize that like your body has an intuitive nature, and if you pay attention to that then there's there's more guidance there if you like look at nature, there's guidance there that isn't mm-hmm. available in all of these very quote unquote powerful places,
0: yeah, yeah, I think about that a lot too, in regards to healing and where you go for your healing too. And, and understanding that not everybody has it figured out in that regard either. And like, as a, as I've taught yoga and stuff, I've really tried to put forward my imperfections because I never want somebody to think that I have it figured out because I don't. Um and I would I just love re- that. I, I just sorely disappoint them eventually. <laughs> Otherwise. But I think key is you
1: just disappoint them within the first five minutes yeah. and then it's all over. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know, like, they accept it and if they want to stay, they can stay. And so Right, right. Um but I think it I think it is in a world where, you know, we have social media and comparison and you really get to curate What you put forward, um, it is almost like impossible to grasp um, if you're okay or not, you know. And if you're, how are you in compared to the rest of the world, you know? And that Mm -hmm. it's like become really uh, distorted, you know. And so we're in our own little worlds, being like, well, I. I'm not like what I'm seeing. There's something wrong with me. But then, if you really sat down and talked to that person, you'd realize that you're doing just fine, you know? So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally struggle with that. I can totally see that because you just like, after I started at Gosky, I started working out and like learned to do the handstands more. And then like my physical flaws that I see in myself in the mirror started coming up a little bit more because I saw that improvement and I'm just, mm. and it, it, it's hard to like, it's hard to face that. And it is hard to, cause it is hard to compare yourself to other people when really you should only be comparing yourself to you a week ago or you a month ago or you a year ago. And even then like, that's also different because everything is so circumstantial, but mm. like just I think like knowing that you can constantly make more better decisions as time goes on helps kind of stop for me, like trying to think about things that way, like kind of helps me going down the comparison route because especially when you're not well physically, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was reading Tim Ferriss's book when I was like not feeling well. and I'm like, I can't do this. This guy's talking about doing like a four hour work week and optimization and like, What do you mean? Optimized? Like I'm, I'm trying to like be a beater car, and he's a Tesla. Like, and I'm like, and I'm having trouble with my oil. Like, this isn't, this isn't working out well. So, yeah, like having a clear perspective on who you are and where you are and what you're capable of, and and, like what your circumstances are, is a really big deal.
0: Mm -hmm. You have kind of changed your relationship with social media a little bit uh, within this past year, haven't you?
1: yeah a little bit because you I think
0: you went you like took a break for a while in like the new year and then you Mm -hmm. came back with like more intention of like only posting pictures you've taken with your camera and Ah, stuff like that so in that regard of like what you you had some space and then you came back with a different intention can you talk about that
1: yeah i can you're right did, i totally have i guess did you forget was, <laughs> i guess so well, i guess it was kind of like intentional but unintentional it was an intentional break but i didn't intend for the break to line up with like using my camera to take photos because so i got a camera this year it's like a cute i have it right here it's a cute little like Fujifilm xt20 and mm-hmm. it has the body of a of a manual uh non-digital camera but it is like a digital camera and it's like a good It's a good little tool and um like yeah i think i just kind of started seeing social media as a window into people's lives like when i think about somebody if i think if i could think of somebody like a hundred years ago who used social media really well (laughs) like social media it's Anne frank and i know it sounds like a really weird thing to say but like if you think about it like that's the only concept where we really have the ability to reflect on like the inner thoughts of somebody on a regular basis who lived a long time ago and they had a a very specific experience like that and it was a young girl too so it was even more like social media now Mm -hmm. and I don't know I know that comparison seems so like bizarre, but I really think that when you, there's a lot of direction for how to use social media as a business. You know, like there's so many online courses of how do you use social media for your business to optimize and like, you know, create more interaction and more organic growth and blah, blah, blah. But nobody, there's no course on how to use social media on a personal level. And not that they're really, I don't even really think that there needs to be, but I think that we should have a healthy philosophy behind it. And, um, I use my social media to promote Tada, um, but I also just try and use it to give others the opportunities to see the world through my own eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's the only, that's like something that's so big that we have right now is we can see the world through anybody's eyes in any country. Like we can see their life from their perspective and they can share their words with us and make us feel things that we wouldn't otherwise feel. So using that public journal, not as a way to like draw attention or not as a way to just show how good things are going or how bad things are going, just a way to show, share with people the things that you think and, and what you see and like where you find beauty in the world. And um, not being like, not being ashamed of doing that. And like, I don't, I don't post a lot of photos of myself. And um, that's kind of something that like, I would like to get like a little bit more comfortable doing again, because I kind of like, felt uncomfortable about it for a while it's
0: kind of weird but um, I can totally relate on that one and it is a weird thing of like okay I'll post a picture <laughs> of myself when most people are like here I am you know when they do it take <laughs> most right. pictures of themselves and it's always it is weird like I would say me posting a picture doing a yoga pose is like uh an act of self-love that I'm going to like allow someone to see me doing that when other people's Instagram yeah. are like look at me doing yoga you know <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> just, and, and I don't post pictures of myself because in that way because I never want it to be perceived as showing off or look at how cute I look mm-hmm. today but even if it was like so what you know like, like you don't want to look like shit like you don't want to yeah. look like garbage when you post a photo
1: yeah a couple weeks ago I actually posted and it was like It was, like, a Saturday morning, and I was, like, with Matt, and I'm, like, you should, like, go out and take a walk. It's Saturday morning. Let's just go get the tea, and I was totally in just, like, like just girl mode. I'm, like, it's Saturday. Let's have fun and just enjoy the neighborhood, and so I got – I didn't drink enough water before I left, and I got dehydrated. Hydrated, and we're walking down the street and I threw up in arrows poop bags and I'm like in front of this like sushi restaurant <laughs> like a closed sushi restaurant 9 30 in the morning I don't even drink so like it's not like I had a killer night to like <laughs> reflect back on and be like man that was the night before I went to bed at like 11 like it's not it was a Friday night like it's not like I did anything crazy mm-hmm. so I posted about it so I was like well like I don't want to just post the highlight reel. But at the same time, though, like it's so dumb when people are like, oh, social media is the highlight reel. It's like, well, yeah, it is. But look at any photo album that you, like in the last hundred years that somebody's like created, nobody's going to, that's the highlight reel too. The difference is that our highlight reels are public. So we're a little bit more self-conscious of it. <laughs>
0: I would have really loved for you to po- post a picture of you puking in a dog bag. <laughs> I like,
1: really said that like, you didn't. I'll recreate it and then you can use it as
0: a promotional post for the podcast. (laughs) A year update with (laughs) Jessica Williams, how she's doing in 2018.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome, Randy. Yeah,
0: thank you. Well,
1: you're welcome to the world. Sorry Martha. Sorry, Martha. There's your entire there's your whole social media post. I've written it for you.
0: You'll <laughs> have to listen to understand what's going on. I think right? it's very effective. <laughs> no, well, that's bye. what I do. <laughs> you're brilliant. Um no, I, I really do like that aspect of Viewing the world like this is what it looks like to me i I've never really thought of it that way, even though it's a very like simple like kind of obvious thing, but it's like I guess for me I've always thought of like my social media the past year or so has been a way to show nature like I post a lot of nature photos, and that's like my biggest thing, but it's like also just reminding people of who they are and like similar thoughts and emotions that we can all feel about something but i never thought of it of as like this is this is how i do things this is what i do this is what i've seen today you know like i think that's cool i think that's very yeah. simple and interesting and kind of takes a lot of the pressure off of it needing to look or feel a certain way it just gets to be your expression, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And especially curating feeds, it's like one thing, it's like sometimes people want to go with like certain colors and sometimes that really works. It depends on the person, but sometimes it's like when I look at a photo, I'm like, does that really belong in my feed? And I start overthinking it and it becomes Mm -hmm. stupid. And I'm like, God, this is so dumb. Mm -hmm. But then I think about it. I'm like, okay, well, two things first off is that because I took the photo, it's inherently mine. Like because Mm -hmm. I took that picture, that is something that I would, that's a photo that I would take and post because it's mine so you don't have to worry about that but the second thing is that like especially for people who have businesses they kind of think about like well why do I care how many social media followers I have and and in a lot of ways they think like well yeah like it doesn't it's not the end of the world for sure but we can't like we also can't negate the fact that social media is a currency it's -hmm. an attention currency and it's kind of like in this dual relationship with money so maybe like don't shoot for all of the likes and the follows and all of that but maybe do recognize that that is a tool and an indicator and and it's something that you can use to your advantage but i think myself included we like overcomplicate things because we're in the photos and we start mm-hmm. seeing ourselves and our identity and our personality and our insecurities in this social media platform when really like it's a tool for curating images and mm-hmm it can be challenging to see things in uh, a very clear light because, and, and it's hard because then you can't actually allow those things to serve you because you're so wrapped up in the
0: mm-hmm. theatrics
1: of it, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, I, it's helpful for me to remind myself what I like about it because like I had a day last week where I was just like sick of everything. Like I was just sick of social media. I was sick of all the stuff that I owned. I was sick of like Every, my business. <laughs> I was just like,
1: like, what? I if I you just said that? That's good. It's good <laughs> like, that you said that.
0: Everything. Everything. Yeah. And, and then I, and sometimes I'll let myself go down those journeys of like, okay, well, what if you stopped everything, and what if you got rid of everything? You have the freedom to do that,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: as long as I can like pay my bills, like, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And, um. And then I was like, okay, well, what do I, why am I doing it? Why did I start doing it? What do I like about Instagram? Why do I find myself on there all the time? Like, why would I be sad if I gave that up kind of a thing? And it just like brings things back into my life and, and I get to create some boundaries around it. Like, cause it's gotten to the point where I want to throw it away, but like okay, well, how does that need to shift? And it's not necessarily get rid of it all. And I definitely do like social media detoxes and, and, and things like that, which I think is good, but yeah, it just gets overwhelming, but I mean, but it, there is so much good about it. And like, I'm, I'm teaching at a, a retreat at Lake Tahoe next year. And I was telling a friend about it and he's like, well, how did you meet that person? And I was like, Instagram, like <laughs> we met through Instagram and, yeah. now I'm, yeah. and now I'm fulfilling a dream, a career goal that I've had for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do you leverage that in the way that serves you and your purposes in on, in an authentic way, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Recently, an article came out, I think it may, of, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not going to, Say where it was wrong, because I genuinely don't know. But it was an article about how, like, if you look at the percentages of people who work in Silicon Valley at these uh, companies, the percentages of them that are psychologists is alarming, uh, because like they always do like A/B testing to figure out like what keeps people on the app longer, and um, it, like it's just it's difficult because we have this incredible tool at our hands. But the vector through which it's being facilitated is one that manipulates our dopamine levels to get us back on the app faster. Mm -hmm. And that's a really like tough place to be because we have to try and exercise our own self-control while simultaneously recognizing that these are are psychologists that like have studied exactly how the human brain works and trying to figure out how to make things function properly. So it's not that like, you know... It's not that social media is bad. It's not even that looking at your phone is bad. Like we look at our phones all the time, but think about it. Your phone is your bank. Your phone is your calculator. Your phone is your camera. It's your email. Whereas like otherwise you're writing for for mail, you're writing a letter. There's a separate thing for the calculator. So it's like we've demonized phones when no, it's like, it's not phones. And people are like, Oh, everyone's on their phone. Well, yeah, everyone's on their phone, but what are they doing on their phones? Are they reading books? They could be reading a book. Mm -hmm. they could be adding you know like they could be doing anything but like but these apps that are being developed yeah that's to me the stressful part is that like they do have a higher they do have a different understanding of our psychology and the way that we function and it does it's difficult because they do take advantage of us and it starts at a really young age now which is really challenging but there was a guy he actually invented the facebook like he invented the like button i don't remember his name but he recently started this He, he left he left Facebook and he started this campaign to create essentially a technological organic seal for apps and basically what they do is, they, he runs this company out of this garage in, in, uh, I think in Venice and they go through and they like, I think it's. it might be conflicting two stories, but I know that there's this guy who basically makes an organic seal he consults with the app developers to say essentially like, are you manipulating people to use your app more? Or are you just putting together features, like, in a way that is functional for the, for the user? Mm. And so, I mean, you know, when was the first app developed? Like, 20, when was, when did the iPhone come out? Like, 2010, maybe? 2009? It feels late.
0: Yeah. Late. I, 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 I was a late
1: adopter, so it's probably
0: late. Well, I remember when cell phones came out. So, I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. iPhones maybe came out in, like, 2006 yeah i will like the ipod came out in the early 2000 i'm sure we could google it let's just say mid to late 2004 yeah
1: right right so this is so early so think about like let's just say let's just say it came out in 2006 so like something if if an iphone came out let's just like totally recontextualize it to make ourselves think differently about it if it came out in 1906 Hmm. and it was 1918 Like, we would see ourselves in the very beginning of this with, like, training wheels that don't work. You know, like, we're just at the very beginning of all of it. We don't really understand how any of this functions. So, like, we're the guinea pigs for all of this technology. Like, humans are guinea pigs for so many different types of things.
0: Came out in 2007. I just Googled it.
1: 2007. Yeah, I knew Uh it was around there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That is true. Yeah, I think we're still... Figuring out how to navigate this crazy monster we've kind of created <laughs> and how to do that uh, ethically because, yeah, with the psychologist, I've re- I read that too. I don't know where I read that, but it like pissed me off and made me want to delete everything I had on my phone. But then at the same time, there are those good things about it. And I recently listened to, um, I think it's Matt D'Avella's podcast. When he interviewed um, Jason Zook and and Jason was going on his social media detox and he was talking about how he's created these checkpoints of when he knows he's being addictive with social media Mm. and with his phone. And he's like, okay, if I'm standing or if I'm stopped at a red light... And I can't just be stopped at the red light. I have to grab my phone. Mm. Like that's a sign yeah, to that's that a I have one. an un- uh, unhealthy relationship of it with it. And so I never really mm-hmm. thought about it that way of like creating your own checkpoints for when things are getting a little out of control. Um, and, and the psychologists have got you. <laughs> with their, yeah. With their and it's like kind of taking your power back in that regard.
1: Yeah, there's actually a I'm I'm uh, I want, I would like to have her on my podcast potentially. Her name is Harriet DeWitt. She's a uh she works on a team in Chicago and they've created an app. She works specifically in the realm of like uh, uh studying drug addiction and and recovery and she created this app or I know no I'm sorry. I'm conflating two different people. I'm conflating a lot. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I have to hang on. I have to find the name of this guy or else it's going to kind of kill me. Um Sorry, give me one second, Randy, because I want to make sure that I get this totally correct, if that's okay. That is okay. Um, okay, cool. That makes me feel
0: better. All
1: right, let's <laughs> see. So, <laughs>
0: well, I just Googled iPhone, so I think we've, we've crossed our boundaries here, here on our podcast.
1: Okay, cool. All right, that makes me feel better. Okay, that makes <laughs> me feel a lot better. So, there's this guy, Matt Temkin. He's based in Chicago. He created this uh, app, it's, it's, it's called Trigger Health. I think it's an app. And what it is, is it, I don't know if it's in beta, I don't know where it's at in the process, but the concept is, is that if you have issues with drug addiction or like alcohol addiction, um, then you install this app on your phone. And this app, it monitors everything that you do on your phone. But, mm-hmm. so it is kind of invasive. So it's like kind of the one, but everything monitors everything you do on your phone. So it would be a shitty reason not to do it if you have those issues. But, but what it does, is it monitors your the way that you Use your phone. You know, if you're if you're texting late at night or in the middle of the night, or if you're on the internet late at night, it kind of, and it finds it finds when you are displaying like erratic, more addictive behavior, and it will warn you when you are at a point when you're about to relapse, and uh and and they have like a call center of people, and somebody will call you, and like kind of you know be like just so you know like you're kind of in this position right now your brain is going in that direction and it's like it's amazing it's like these are all like it's so cool because these are all just tools but it's just a matter of like the values that the people who are creating them bring to them and that's why like having a strong value system is so important and I think that's why all of these social media companies are so messed up is that like you know facebook acts as if we're the customers but really the customers are the advertisers so because of that their value system isn't in line because on the outside their value system is the people that are using the platform or on internally the value system is they're serving the advertising companies and that's why we when we see mark zuckerberg he's like sitting on the chair and he's talking to all these congressmen and women and he's like all like pale and white and sweaty and I'm pale and white but I wasn't as sweaty as he is or I'm not as sweaty as he is but like (laughs) you know the thing he has like this face you can just tell he looks like an eight-year-old kid Uh like during that entire deposition I think that's just because it was like you know you're caught in a lie you know you're caught in a point it's almost like it looked like he had just gotten detention (laughs) like when he was sitting there because he's so young too
0: yeah to me that just brings me back to like how can I feel empowered using these things and not another cog in the big data and and all of those things because it's like I one night I had a whole night where I thought about how I could delete Facebook and how how I'd function in certain things without it and because I felt like I had gotten so entrenched and I just couldn't sleep I like was kind of obsessed with it and um because there's people all over the world that I've stayed connected with through Facebook and even some business stuff. It is the best way to let people know about my events here in Fargo and things like that. And so I was like, so conflicted on what to do. And I didn't, I didn't delete it. I don't, but I've created some very solid boundaries with it. So it's like, okay, thank you Mark for creating this thing that I'm going to use to my advantage, in ways that I want, and I know the settings that I can adjust, so I feel protected. And it's just kind of like, yeah, making it your own thing. Um, but then at the same time, it's almost I'm, demeaning, though. Like, oh, go ahead, I sorry. know. Well, that's the thing is that at the same time, I feel pissed that I even have to do that right you kind of feel like god like am i five like am i five years old like do i need
1: to like take my phone and like put it in a corner i mean that's one of the reasons i mean even though we looked up you know when the iphone was just you know was created Mm -hmm. and who created the triggered health app so like even then but that's one of the reasons that i love podcasting so much is because it's like you're sitting down we're having a conversation and i don't have to worry about you like going on your phone and doing something and being like all right I'm kind of done with this conversation until you're going to say whatever you're saying it kind of like creates that buffer zone and, and I mean like when I lived in Hawaii that's one of the reasons I love to go snorkeling is because I couldn't bring my phone with me and they're like I just don't really ever want to be able to bring phones in the shower and I never mm-hmm. want them to be to be waterproof even though it would be oh yeah helpful. I, this, pieces, like, I saw this I
0: saw this ad for a a curtain, a shower curtain where you can put your iPad in it and watch the iPad while you're in the shower. Oh my God. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why did we do that? But you know, people are probably like, oh, perfect. It's so
1: efficient. Oh my God. That's like, that's such a Boundaries. It's hard. We're at the very beginning. We're just learning about all of this stuff. And honestly, I think that we all have really bad manners with it too. We're gonna figure yeah. it out. Like we're gonna yeah. figure this out. We're gonna we're gonna turn back into humans eventually. But I think it's just gonna take a little bit of. It's just gonna take a little bit of time. You know, like we don't even have like we have bad manners. We all have bad technology manners. Like even <laughs> when, if I wear my AirPods and I'm like checking out at the cashier, like especially if nothing is in my airpods I'll, I'll like still take them out. Like I just. Mm-hmm. I can't talk to you and have you think that I'm not talking to you because it's yeah. unfair. And yeah. like, and we all like want to be seen. And like, it's like it's almost most important to be seen when you're checking out at the grocery store because mm-hmm. then it's like I don't know. It's, it's like so I work from home, so sometimes like <laughs> seeing my grocer on a daily basis, like that's like the time that I'm like, hey, friend, you know, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and like yeah. I go out. And so it's important to like see that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think so. My body work sessions are 90 minutes and I love that I don't allow phones in the room where they have to be turned off. And so for 90 minutes at a time, I'm disconnected, they're disconnected and we're hundred percent focused on what's going on with them and their bodies. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so cool when I stop and really think about it and how rare that is these days to have that much time with another person in general without distraction, but then really focusing on their healing, which I think is really cool. So it's like, yeah, the body work can feel good and it can help with your pain, but like, how cool is it that we just had 90 minutes without all of the hubbub of the world, you know? And Mm. I also think about that when I'm not in session and I'm with my phone, like my phone's around me and I'm like, you know, I just have the habit of bringing it everywhere with me. And then I'm like, I have 90 minutes at a time, multiple times a day without my phone. And I'm just fine. Like, (laughs) I don't need to have it with me at all times. And it's become kind of like this extension of ourselves that we're like afraid to leave. But um, yeah, I feel grateful in that regard. You get
1: to facilitate that.
0: It is cool. I de- I, it's been a while since I thought about how cool it is, but it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that you get to facilitate that because it's just kind of like a reminder of how you existed when you were like eight or nine. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I guess maybe not you necessarily yeah. because
0: <laughs> well, no, no, not
1: not you, but I just mean like anybody like, because yeah. like, we still had screens, but it was still kind yeah. of like, I don't know, but I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I guess do it's
1: different.
0: I do feel good that I did exist at a time in my childhood before there were even cell phones and mm. and the internet just came out when I was like 10 or 11 or something like that. And um but I had these early years of like running over to the neighbor's house and needing yeah. to, you know, just a different way of functioning in the world. Um, printing
1: out maps to try places you're like all right I'm yeah. just gonna print this out and, I have, I honestly, or looking on a map and be like how do I get to like how do I get to Wisconsin like I remember doing that and being like oh I gotta get to I'm like okay I'll follow this map
0: <laughs> I can't <laughs> even I'll go do, the idea of doing that now sounds a, like maybe a tiny bit romantic, but most of all, just sounds completely annoying. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, just tell me where to go and say it in my ear and I'll be fine. But yeah. like, I can't, I think about my mom, like, carting me around. We lived in, like, the Minneapolis area growing up and that place, the roads, the highways, it's just a mess, even with GPS. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, how did she function? And my friend asked me once, she's like, do you have memories of your mom just being lost all the time and I'm like yes actually yeah I do oh my god that's so
1: funny that. oh my god that's so hilarious you know I when I was when I was a kid like really little we lived in Kansas and we lived like at the Oklahoma Kansas state border and my mom would get lost and like we'd get lost in Oklahoma yeah. <laughs> like she had just moved there so when you just move to a place and you live relatively close to the state border getting lost in another state is still like well it's I mean, there's different laws. Like there's a different governor. Like this is, even
0: though it's just another state, it is a little Mm bit uncomfortable. (laughs) It's fascinating. Um, so what do we do, Jess, what do we do about this whole internet, social media conundrum? Oh man, you know what? We, we, we gotta be adults
1: about it. We have to be adults about it to ourselves and we have to like and we have to recognize that these are tools. And I'm assuming that your audience is probably very creative because, mm-hmm. like, people who are, like, kind of – when you get into that healing realm, mm-hmm. those are the less robotic people in the world, <laughs> right? Like, we're, we're kind of the about, people – Right. Like, we're, the, we're not the kind of people that are going to, like, you know, stick to a very, like, hard regimen. But I would say, like, we have to be adults about it and we have to take care of ourselves and we have to respect the kid inside of us and by respecting that kid inside of us, it means disconnecting and connecting when it's appropriate and giving yourself a kick in the ass when you need it and then coddling yourself when you need it too and like taking care of yourself in a way that is effective for your future self um, that both honors like the masculine and the feminine in a way that like, in a way that like makes your soul, like makes your soul vibrate. And you know what? Like I, that's like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an extremely moving person. I'll dip my toes in the water and sometimes I'll like deep dive for like a night and then like, <laughs> and then I'll go back out. But it, I think it's like recognizing where and when these tools can be used, just like that what we were talking about before, like Brene Brown and Jocko Wilnick. like it, it all has a place. And I think it's just a matter of allowing it to, allowing it to serve you and allowing those things to be like, everything to be integrated into your life and knowing that like your health and your financial and your, you're creative and like all of those things. It's all part of of your life. And if you have anxiety, or if you have like pain, or if you're feeling unwell, that's not your body turning on you. That's your body signifying to you that something is off, or your body signifying to your your mind signifying to you if it's emotions like you know depression or anxiety, something is off, and you have to go to the root of it and you have to do the hard work
0: mm-hmm. of,
1: of finding where the issue is so you can come out a stronger person.
0: Yeah for sure. Yeah, the main thing I heard from that is just the stronger relationship you have with yourself, the easier it will be to navigate these new kind of weird things and know what yeah. to do, what to say yes to, what to say no to. And I think that's the danger in some of this stuff is it it keeps us from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we're staying strong and that's what I see in your own health journey is just been your commitment to showing up for yourself and exploring within, and continuing to build upon that, is how you're able to keep going. You know, which is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's important. It's hard. It's so hard. But man, like, it's like I feel like when you if like keep on if you keep on doing the next right thing, mm-hmm. it's it's
0: good. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, we could keep rambling and debating. It's totally could. <laughs> um, so but we'll leave it at that for now. But um but yeah, so we have your podcast where people can now regularly hear your yes. rambles and your call <laughs> ta-da. tada.
1: You can go to com, mm-hmm. and they can I don't I don't have show notes. It's it's a form of
0: self-care. I'm not doing show notes. <laughs> I just do the patience for it. Oh, man. My um. show my show notes are like, here it is. Here's the person. The end. Like, the end. Like, I don't. I, don't yeah. know. I look at some people's show notes and I'm like, wow.
1: Yeah, it's really, really intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, no show notes for me. Yeah, it's at podcast.com. And there you can you can listen on like Apple Podcasts and Overcast mm-hmm. and like all of that way. And then I'm on I'm on the socials. I'm not really on Twitter very often. I'm more so on Instagram. So you can find me on the gram. I am at Jess Breeze, So
0: okay. yeah. awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Jess. All right. Thank you for having me, Randy. This is awesome. Okay. Isn't Jess the coolest? (laughs) I highly recommend that you check out her new podcast, Ta-Da. It's great. And she talks to some really interesting and unique folks. And it's a great way to learn something new about maybe a corner of the life you haven't thought of or explored. And I'm sure Jess will find her way back on this podcast one of these days. We did cover a lot of topics and referred to a lot of things, so you can find the links to all of the things in the show notes at naturallyrandyk.com slash podcast. That's naturally r-a-n-d-i-k-a-y slash podcast. And while you are there, feel free to sign up for my free simple self-care newsletter where I send out weekly updates about the show, plus other fun things from me. You can also join the sweet community we've got going on over at my free Facebook group. Just search Simple Self-Care Circle and ask to join. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week as the self-care conversation continues. Signing off, I am Randy Kay, your podcast host and creator of NaturallyRandyK.com an online resource to explore the nature outside and within through healing self-care rituals. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the journey.